Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Mark Groves podcast. I'm so excited to share with you this conversation that I had with one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Ganga Ji. And I found her work at a really important time in my life, as, as in it came into my world right when I needed it. And you know how that happens, and perhaps that's happened with this podcast for you, or you've shared this podcast with other people, or someone hands you a book, or sends you a quote, or sends you words, or thoughts, or whatever that they think might be helpful and it has this resonance with it that this truth that says i gotta keep following this i gotta dive deep and this has happened with any sort of teacher or book or thing that i get sent when my heart is ready and you know as they say when the student is ready the teacher arrives the teacher that we need for that moment and that's why i think things like podcasts are so powerful because I can bring on here people that have really resonated for me that if not through me, you might not have found it. And that means a lot for me that that I can be a conduit to people learning from other people and us all, you know, as Ram Dass says, we're all just walking each other home. And a dear friend of mine sent me her podcast, which is excerpts and and also recordings uh, of just her teachings. And her teachings just met me perfectly in the place I was in. It was right after Kylie and I broke up. And it then brought me on a trail of eventually going to one of her retreats, which was a truly profound experience. And so I'm so, I just am really pumped that you get to hear the energetics of how her words feel in your body because that's how they feel for me and hopefully that's true for you and yeah so before we get kicking into this episode uh, one way that you can really support the podcast is by subscribing to it wherever you listen to it sharing it and going and giving it a five-star review and a written review that helps it get into more people's ears and so we can all continue to awaken and take responsibility for our lives and how we love and how we relate and 
how we walk our path on this planet. And so let's do this. Without further ado, here's Ganga Ji. So I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to, to be on the podcast, to share your wisdom with, with all the people who follow this podcast. And mm. um, you've had such a profound impact on my life, your words. I found mm. you mm. in the depths of a breakup, maybe like a week after I went through a breakup. Mm. And uh, a friend of mine sent me your podcast. And I was struck by uh, the words, silence is who you are. Mm. And, you know, at first I was like, what does that mean? But there's like a truth to it that my bones were like, yes, mm. yes. And I know I had been feeling called to sort of enter my own form of Vipassana in that mm. moment. Um, so first off, welcome and thank you for mm. that was a profound beginning to a journey deep within and then meeting you in Hawaii. So and now we're worlds apart from that time. So thank you. Mm. Oh, I'm really, really happy to see you again meet you again yeah in hawaii it was like right at the beginning it was right before all the sort of things unfolded so our world is certainly in a different place and i found like a a lot of even that conversation about silence is who you are a lot of it being preparation you know Mm. to go through what we're going through and I, i was wondering if you could sort of speak to that like to how that relates and even what you mean by that Mm. Because I think yeah, so many of us are afraid of silence. Sorry, please. That's right. And and we've been punished with silence in the past. Yeah. You know, we've been told to be quiet and don't speak out of turn. And and so we have, like with almost every word in our language, <clears throat> we have polluted <laughs> the purity of the word. And so first we have to get through that and to recognize what does it mean when someone is saying, just be silent, just be still. It's actually just come home. Just just rest in yourself for a moment. And as we know, if we are readers of history in any degree, there are always very intense things that are subject to happen in any age. And we're going through one of those now. I mean, besides the war that's going on all over the planet and the starvation, there's this disease, this pandemic. And it was shocking. It is shocking to people to have their lives just turned in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And the shock can serve, of course, because shocks are here in our lives in varying degrees. And that shock can serve to actually throw our attention back to the spaciousness that the word silence is pointing to, to the fullness, the emptiness, the presence, and ultimately the consciousness of oneself. As we get, especially as human beings, and maybe even as searching human beings, we get so attuned to our our sensory world, our outside world, what others are impacting in our world, that we just overlook this free, spacious, peaceful, fulfilled. I think fulfilled is really the word, presence that is here. And so the shock can serve for that. And certainly the 
I know it's opening up now, but the the way we didn't have the ability to socialize with one another in the same way, which is beautiful. We are social animals and we, we want to do that and beautiful interactions come from that. And we share with people in verbal ways and limbic ways, but it did throw us back into finding what is it we want, what is always here. And that's the crux of my teacher's teaching what is always here? What doesn't come and go? When it's harmonious times, when it's catastrophic times, what is still here? So that's what I mean when I use the word silence. <laughs> well, that idea of what is always here, you know, I remember uh, someone speaking to you and sharing about how they'd gotten sober and they'd stopped all the things and that they were still sort of trying to find, you know, what you can't put your finger on the sort of mystical mm. thing. And, and you said to them, get more sober. Mm. And at mm. the time that was relevant to me sitting and watching because I'd quit drinking, I'd quit uh, mm. really any, any, what I thought I'd quit, quit all, all the things I could quit. And when you mm. said that I was thrown to a loop of like, Oh yeah. Get sober from everything that pulls you away from now. Yes. Yes, get sober from your unnecessary suffering. We get drunk on our unnecessary suffering. Sometimes we get high on it, but we always crash with it. And mm-hmm. so the the call to sobriety at any level is the same call to to silence. And we're afraid of sobriety. We think and silence. We think they will be dull or dead or nothing will happen. We don't trust ourselves to be simply who we are. It seems like technology has really continued to facilitate that. Like, obviously, technology can be beautiful. It can facilitate these conversations from different places in the world. But like anything that that can bring us joy and bring us uh, dopamine hits, it seems to have made it so like even in silence, like, I don't know that young People, although I'd say all people who have phones, that's an unfair mm. statement of like, it, it, we don't really stand a chance against a lot of the technology that's constantly at us, all the research that's like, how do I get more of your attention? And we don't really know boredom anymore. I'm curious yeah. what you think about that. I think that's really a good point. I mean, the whole point of being... A, tuned in or linked in all the time is <clears throat> so that there is no boredom. There's, there's nothing, there's very little you have to do to be stimulated from the outside. Or, and as you say, it's, it's all built on that. So, you know, there are plenty of jokes about it. People running into trees or <laughs> running into cars, which is no big joke, but it's true. Everywhere I go, I just see people, you know, linked into their screen I mean, sitting in the park, you know, right. the screen. And so that is, I think, a generational thing and a, an essential thing. And something will happen to shake that up in some way, or we will just become even more extensions of our machines. Mm. But I think everyone has that issue. And that's part of what the social structure serves is a way that we aren't bored, is a way that we're stimulated. And you know, there's a very good part to that because our brains like stimulation. They grow. They 
make connections. And that's beautiful, but our brains also like to rest and we forget that. And nobody's going to remember it for us. Mm. We have to take responsibility for that. And so when, and that's what you do when you get sober, you actually don't wait for somebody to offer you whatever the substance is that may be keeping you suffering, ultimately suffering. You take responsibility for that. Whoever offers you anything, you take responsibility for this spaciousness of being. And even those words, you know, I'm aware that it can sound kind of bleak or dull or right. boring, but it's not. And, and you don't know that until you discover that. It's like meeting death sounds like morbid and horrible. And why would I do that? I just have to keep escaping death. But in your willingness just to turn and open, well, death is... Uh, what we sense in being bored or in stopping, we feel like we will die mm. because in a, a real sense, we are conditioned to move and to seek stimulus because that's our survival drive. But when you're willing to recognize that and you're willing in a space of safety, I'm not suggesting you do that with bombs falling all around you or some natural event that is threatening you, but in a space, in your house or in nature, or just to take a few moments and experiment with what does it really mean to me to be silent, to be still, to stop, to, to open, to there not being a next moment, to stop mm -hmm. the trajectory of throwing oneself in the future and just be here. It's so simple. And that's what keeps it out of our reach because we are programmed and conditioned to be complicated. And then, as you say, the devices uh, accentuate that complication, the noise. What do you think it is that, you know, like when we think about stopping that that aversion to i guess it's sort of the death of the hustle it's the death of the continued mm -hmm. movement and it seems to be like i remember when you first sort of invited that space to stillness you also followed up with a question like what are you afraid you'll find there and mm -hmm. immediately i was struck with just more of myself and huh. yeah and and then I just had a lot of grief, but like a good grief, you know, of like, mm. I've, I've missed me. Mm. Yes, you've been searching for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's what all the stimulus is. Of course, it's physically translated as survival. Even yeah. if we're searching for the perfect mate, it's some kind of <clears throat> survival because then I'll be happy. And it's about me always, but it's me in some future rather than me just in this moment with whatever is going on, misery, bliss, whatever, just to be still in that. It's, it's your nature. 
it may not be second nature. What is second nature <laughs> is our thrust outward and to seek the stimulation. And I'm not making that wrong in any way. I think mm. that we are made for that and it can be beautiful. It's wonderful. And it can be treacherous and addictive and then misery because you, you miss yourself. Even if you don't know you miss yourself, you do. You're trying to fill yourself so you can find yourself, but you are always right here. Look, I like to get my greens on the go. I don't want to compromise on quality. I want to get organic. I want non-GMO. I want all the things. And my favorite product from Organifi will never cease to be the green juice. And now they have a green apple flavor, which kicks ass. I think I can say that, but it kicks ass. It's so good. And it's so easy. You just take a glass of water, take a scoop of green juice, or you take the travel packs. They're great to travel with. You open it up, you put it in the water, you mix it, and then bam, you've got a green juice without the mess, without all that stuff. And you're getting all the nutrients that all these superfoods that are in the green juice provide. So go check it out. Go to Organifi.com slash create the love and you save 20% at checkout. So that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash create the love. And they have tons of amazing products. So go check it out and go save 20%. The simplicity of that is almost confronting. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's so simple. And yet we're reading books and on this journey. And, and again, books are great. And personal growth is great and all that yeah. stuff. And I, I often think like what you're ultimately inviting is to just actually let ourselves arrive, like let ourselves yes. be. Yes, it's uh, all of our, our books are stimulating that, that sense of, yes, I want that. I want to be free. I, I want to be full. I want to be true. But it's somehow putting it in the future. And if I do this, I will get there. Even books that are pointing you back to the present. There's a way that our mind translates that is, oh, I have to do this. I mean, even what I'm saying here, just take a moment and be still. Okay, I've got to take a moment and be still. That's a, a future action. But in reality, it's already here. It's the willingness to stop creating anything. Mm. We are, I, I know in my generation, create your reality was a really big deal. And and the point of that was to recognize how we add negativity to reality and then we suffer. And so it was very valid, but it became a whole movement to create your life or to create life itself or to create God. And of course, it just became an ego trip. You know, mm -hmm. I, I will do this. I will be God. <laughs> and so the, that's very tempting and can be scintillating, but the invitation to not create anything, to see what is here before your creation, and then during whatever is created, whoever you think creates it. And after that creation dies, because if it's born, it will die. And that's the really good, good news. We think it's we think sobriety is bad news, you know. It doesn't sound like fun if we're <laughs> really into the stimulation. But the news is, and it's what you're reporting, is it's, it's not what it's thought to be. It's much bigger and deeper, and it is fulfilling. 
it seems to be that that fear of at least I'll speak for myself that when I was confronted with silence, confronted with almost thrust into it because of grief, you know, like the rooting nature mm-hmm. of grief of loss, mm-hmm. that I really couldn't run from it. That grief was coming to get me, and it was going to hold me still. And in the experience of being in that stillness, I then confronted death in a way that I never had. Mm. They felt very interlinked, interlinked. Like mm. I felt an immense amount of grief about not being present in myself, but I also started to process what it means to be a mortal being. Um, mm. And that maybe that's due to age too, you know, that, that <laughs> I turned 40 and, you know, there was, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are about our aversion to even thinking about our mortality or, and what does that cause for us, you know, in our lives where, where do we struggle because of the suffering of not wanting to just accept mortality? Oh, I love that. You know what a meditation those very questions are. If everyone would just ask themselves those questions, what is the cost of my fear of, of, we know about mortality. We see it all around <laughs> right. us. We yeah. somehow think we're the exception. You know? <laughs> right. We can't think that way. And mm. uh, it's possibly just the way our brains are wired to keep us reaching for immortality. Yes, so then the willingness to be silence is the willingness not to be who you think you are, not to get what you think you need, mm. not to have what you think you have as a kind of nakedness in that. And yes, it can be fearsome. I felt great fear when my teacher told me, just be still. And I tried to sort of imitate being still. You know, I got into a <laughs> meditative posture and he said, no, no, that's too much. Just really be still. And I felt a terror arise in me. I can see now maybe it was the terror I would die. I was just... it. It felt like to me, if I was still, I would lose everything I had been building all those years of improving myself, that I would somehow regress back, which is kind of death. So I think it takes different forms for, diff- for different people. But it is finally, yes, meeting the, the reality that everything that is born dies and the deeper reality that what is always here is here now and always. And so in that, there's a capacity as an individual, as a human being, as a brain, to actually come back rather than reaching, which is is our nature. And we Mm. have reached all over the planet. We've conquered the planet. And it's time to come back. Yeah for our planet's life, for the other species, and for each other to come back to what doesn't need any acquisition for its fulfillment. But it may initially feel, as you were saying, threatening. It's like, whoa, but if I, if I go back, I'm, I'm subject to death. And somehow we've, we like the right. trance of not feeling subject right. to death. <laughs> but it is a trance. And so the willingness to have the trance broken, so we, could, we can say sobriety, but it's also maturity in the best sense. It's really, you, you're growing up, and in that, you're recognizing what is ageless. 
what is truly ageless. It may not, it certainly doesn't have anything to do with you as an individual, but the recognition of this presence of consciousness that you as an individual in your own capacity for awareness can can recognize as your own source. So as is it's the source of every tree and every animal and everybody. So this is transcendent realization, but recognized with a very simple willingness to, to stop feeding for a moment. And I'm not saying as a practice, I'm just saying for a moment so that you at least one at least has the experience of the, the fulfillment, the presence, the sobriety, the completion. Because mm-hmm. I remember in our conversation, you know, it, it, you were hurting because it was like some part of you was removed. And yes, there's grief for that. If you'd lost an, an arm, you would be grieving that arm and you wouldn't feel like you could ever function the same way. But in the willingness to to retreat back to what is here and always here, you recognize the wholeness, even if the parts are missing. Mm -hmm. And that's a a significant recognition that actually gives you the, the strength and the courage to deepen in that realization. It's almost like that recognition is the recognition that you've given away a part of your wholeness for relationship. And I mean, that, 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 that to me, um, in the awareness of that, there was, there is, or has been in the past of relationship, a lot of grief knowing that my complete, you know, you complete me a famous line from, I think, Jerry Maguire, you know, it's like, Uh, we all romanticize that line. And yeah, we believe it. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. It's almost like the loss of a relationship that completed you is, and the grief of it is not just about the loss of the relationship, but also that you have given a part of yourself away, that your wholeness, like you as a being and a consciousness, wasn't complete as it is. That's Am I making right. sense? I'm like... <laughs> yeah, it's so beautiful. That's really deep. And, and that's why the opportunity, I mean, grief, because... There's only grief because there's love. And so you may project it all on the one you lost, which is a part of yourself you lost. But the grief Mm. itself, as you reported, is a call back to discover what is here. Mm. It's a call back to, to your love because we do project ourselves and give ourselves away. I mean, we do to our country, we do to our planet, you know, where this is... This is needed for my completion. And while that's natural as a human being, it's very destructive, finally, in realizing yourself. So you have to recognize what can be lost will be lost. Right. And you did recognize that. And the shock of that actually threw you more deeply into yourself. And that's that's really the good news of losing and we will lose. I mean, we have to at least intellectually recognize that we can't keep any of it. Right. Anything that can be objectified, even a, a beloved, you can't keep that because there's a separation. But you can recognize finally 
what is deeper than your body because you can't keep your youth i mean you said you're we're turning 40 then next year i'll be 80 <laughs> so wow. it's like wow that was fast <laughs> that's really it's really fast and so you certainly look in the lifetime of the planet it's very fast it's birth and death is just a snap right and so then how precious to to recognize in this instantaneous moment we have the capacity to actually discover this timeless expansion so that you're not separate from the cosmos it's almost like you in that stopping the momentum of all the mass and the hustle culture and the you got to build this and you got to be this and you got to do this and you got to have this that all that momentum when you just stop just keeps going and you realize yeah yeah, which I feel it would almost be confronting, you know, because then you're like, hey, what are all these things? Like now I'm watching the world move and I'm actually now going at the pace of um, the circadian rhythm. Like I'm actually breathing with the planet instead of like, <laughs> like short breaths, you know. It's <laughs> beautiful. So beautiful. Well, <laughs> my, nice. well, my, uh, my, observation of humanity which is really just through the lens of my own observation of myself is that when i first started to slow down years ago but not really come to a stop till you sort of shook me is i was really afraid of the truths that dwelled in the stillness that i wasn't living like there was like an uh, a gap between who my soul was saying when I stopped, it would say, hey, these behaviors need to stop or this way of being needs to stop or you're sad and you haven't let yourself be sad for 20 years because you're running mm-hmm. from it. And because you're running from it, you're doing all this other shit. Just stop. And mm-hmm. it seems to me like that is like when you actually stop and sit in those things and allow those truths to actually be accepted, you're then your call to action is to is to integrate them or change your life, like stand for them. Um, And you've said, I've heard you say that, like, what does your life stand for? And I think like for all of us, that call of humanity is, is to this integrity, to the stillness, like the stillness calls us to integrity. And I think Um, that's beautiful. Integrity means wholeness, right? mm, So then we are, We we stop being this separate thing, you know. We're gonna do it. It's an agenda. You recognize. Whoa! I I would like for you know global warming to be reversed. I would like for us all to live. I'd like for us all to be healthy. But it, then that's but that's not the. It's not necessary for your wholeness. So that's what I meant, I think, earlier when I said take responsibility, that sobriety is taking responsibility mm. for your unnecessary suffering, for how you are contributing to the suffering of the planet and certainly to the suffering of other people. And it's a kind of childish contribution. So in that moment, although it was happening before, in that moment, you really grew up. You said, whoa. <laughs> it's it's like a moment of honesty, you know, mm-hmm. just, whoa, telling the truth. Then you, it's quite obvious what activities you're participating in that are not serving anything except the stimulation of the activity. It's obvious then, and you, and you continue to grow. And that growing really is not about aging then. It's about deepening mm-hmm. 
because Ramana was 16 when he had his awakening experience and he had never studied. Well, he was in a religious household, but he wasn't a particularly religious kid. He liked sports, but he had a profound experience of loss. He lost his father. His father died. And that sense of loss, and I don't presume to say what he was emotionally feeling, but we know that when there are events that come and stop our lives from the way we thought they were going, there's there's a crack then mm. in the universe, and the possibility is to is to fall into that crack, to really then be to recognize what. What is there? We feel like we will die if we fall into the crack or die of grief or, or be incomplete, as you were saying. But the recognition is, my God, I, I was making myself incomplete. I was denying myself. And, the, and we get to see the habitual forms of that, as you say. Then it's obvious, these act, behaviors, and certain behaviors are not honest with the truth of who you are and what you want truly for this life and for all life. That seems to be an act of rebellion in a lot of ways, you know, like oh, well, and we're sort of beautiful. all, it's true. Well, we're all sort of participating in this play, you know, um, mm-hmm. pretending we like shit. We don't like pretending we're happy when we're not buying shit to make us feel better about those mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. And when we actually start to say things like, I'm not happy or I feel like there's more to life um, mm. or, we, or we experience loss, but, and I think there can be those micro losses. Like we lose a job or not to mm-hmm. make it insignificant, but like not the death of a, of a parent or a partner oh. or whatever, a child, but that like that loss can be anything that points to the crack of who the space between who you're being and who you are. And like, you can fall into that all the time, you know, like anytime you have yeah. a feeling of like, oh, I actually have a better version of me available and I'm not living it, like fall in that crack, yeah. you know? That's right. The crack is there. Yeah. Failure. I think you're talking about failure in a certain way. You know, we have these ideals either that we have been taught or that we have developed and it becomes an idealism. It's just different from having ideals, which are pure and beautiful. The idealism becomes like a cult, a mm-hmm. cult of mind. And, and if we tell the truth, we are failing quite often, you know, and that failure is an opening. It's like you lost your love and you, your object of love, you, your completion. You lost a part of yourself in losing that relationship. And that, so that's a failure. It's a major failure. And then that is the, the call to actually open to that because failure is death in the most primitive sense of our minds. So if you open to failure, oh my God, I actually failed either in losing the relationship or in losing myself in the relationship. I failed. And that is what we avoid, like dying. We avoid dying and we avoid failing because it means death. Yeah. But to open to it, it's like I failed. Huh. Mm. Huh. And something is just the superego then that says you shouldn't fail, never fail. My God, you failed. You're a wretched person. It, it has no ground to stand on because it's like I failed. That's mm. the truth. 
Like it's a source of opening, not a source of criticism. Yes. Mm. Yes. (laughs) Then you don't, you're not resisting failing or resisting dying. It doesn't mean you want to die or you want to fail. It's natural to not want to die and to not want to fail, but you aren't resisting it. So you can tell the truth when you do fail, you know, because Mm. it's, it's, then it's feedback. It's not, um, it's nothing to do with you. It's to do with some activity or behavior or force of nature. And you recognize it's like a toddler falling, you know? I mean, they may cry, but they get back up and try again. And pretty soon you learn how to walk in a way that's successful rather than just screaming about failing from falling. You know, we then we can, you know, the truism of learn from our mistakes has a deeper meaning. And learning also has a deeper meaning. It's a pulling you back into the wholeness. Integrity was the word you used. It's a beautiful word, into the integrity of your being. I never thought of that looking at, because loss, as you were saying, exists on on the human level, right? Like, like I lost an arm, I lost a partner, I lost... Mm-hmm a job, whatever it might be. Uh, But being able to turn towards it from on a spiritual level, you're actually gaining, like you're actually learning, you're actually expanding. Just that shift, that simple shift is, I mean, it's life changing. That's profoundly life changing, you know? Um, And if shame has been used as a way to keep our behavior in check or like guilt, then to actually turn towards quote unquote failures as opportunities is is to rebel against that too, you know, is this act of reclamation. Yes, that is. I I get what you say about rebellion and being a rebel. It is. And and that does arise, you know, whether it's in generations or in people or in slaves, slaves, you know, it's finally there's in the slave owner, there's the fear of the rebellion in the slaves. And in the slaves, there's this, you know, of course you want to rebel from, from slavery. And your recognition is there was a very subtle, emotionally fused slavery where you had given yourself away to serve some ideal. And so in losing that and, in, and then in recognizing that, as you did, then there's choice. And it's a, a pure choice. It's not a choice like creating your reality. It's it's the choice of what's what's here and and what do I truly finally want. So yes, this rebellion I think is really necessary, essential. Otherwise, we just roll along. You know, when I met Papaji and I came back and told everyone about meeting Papaji, my family. I told my father, my, <laughs> and most of them just like. Oh, she's really gone off the deep end. You know, first of all, they were afraid I was a part of a cult. They they saw I wasn't. You know, I was still a regular human being, but they they weren't interested. It, it wasn't for them. My father liked to watch football. He didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to even hear about my trip to India. Same with other members of my family. They were like, "Oh, that's nice. Oh, glad glad you've good." But spiritual you know, awakening, shopping. great. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you put it in your resume. Right. Well, that almost seems like how it's perceived, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's great, you know, but like we have regular life to get to. And have you thought about 
what other people will think of you. Or, I mean, this is the face I've found like this. I was a pharmaceutical rep for 14 years, you know, and in an awakening that came from a previous breakup, that was the first time I ever really asked questions like, why am I here? And I read Viktor Frankl's book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And that was the first time I ever even thought like, I'm more than just a human who's here to provide and get a picket fence and, you know, make enough money to be a good partner. It was like, oh, I actually might have a purpose. And that led to a journey of sort of questioning things. And once you start questioning things, no offense if you're a farmer rep listening, but I had to leave being a farmer rep. And what was, what kept me, I'll use the word sort of imprisoned in that first part of my life. Cause I didn't know I was in prison. I thought I was in bliss. Yeah. You know, it was how everybody else was living and what I was taught, who I was taught I should be, what would get me status or celebration or, or arousal, you know, that it, it was, what will other people think of me? And I, I, I find that still true today as different iterations of me want to be born and different things want to be spoken through me mm-hmm. that I have to keep reminding myself that like, I keep learning this, that, that belonging to other people where I have to pretend to like shit they like, I get actually nothing from, I thought I did, but I don't. All I get is I get to keep the peace. And what I keep discovering is that like, I have to continue to belong to my own heart first. And so how do we cope with that? Like, how do we cope with, seriously feels like the momentum of human conditioning that says, stay small, don't Mm -hmm. use your voice, spiritual awakening, this the Dodgers are playing the Cubs. I don't even know if they play each other, but you know what I mean? I might, might have chosen two different sports, but but like that, that like human need to put us back in a box to shut the F up to not. And I've gone back in the box before, you know, so and then you realize you then have eventually you break out because you can't help it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. You, you articulated so beautifully. I, I love it. It's really moving. And that is a dilemma. And, you know, for me, the word is vigilance. And there's a way that we can think of vigilance as some kind of hard edge thing, but I don't mean it that way. It's vigilance as surrender because you won't get the support from society. Society operates on your staying small and being part <laughs> of the workforce. So, what you get support from is the evolution and the recognition that any any true spiritual leader or artist or writer you know has to be broken away from the pack i mean otherwise nothing fresh is being offered and so yeah it can be i don't want to use the word lonely because it's not lonely it's so fulfilling but but you don't Papaji would say to me, because I brought it up with him, that some people would come to see him and you could see they would just light up. And and then as they were getting ready to leave, they would just start to reassemble their personas and to get (laughs) back in in life, you know. And I said, oh, this is heartbreaking, you know. Why does that happen? And he just said, it's to be expected. (laughs) (laughs) It's to be expected. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of the the realities of life. And 
life forms. How do we cope? And that's the beauty of your podcast. You know, you don't know who's all listening to it. I don't think you could possibly know. But people tune in not even knowing why they're tuning in, just like you picked up Viktor Frankl's book. And you are spoken to in a way that you haven't been spoken to before. Mm. And so you may, whoa, close the book and run away from it or turn off the <laughs> podcast. Or, or you may say, whoa, this is speaking to something that is unknown to me. What is it? And, and in that, then, you are you're serving. Mm. I mean, the word gets so misused. I don't like to use it, but I, I see that, you know, and you're, you've made yourself available. And so people have the the wherewithal to turn you on or turn you off, but that's their choice. Your right. your choice is to be true to your heart, and that is that's a stellar choice, and that radiates out the capacity that we have for that. And that may be individually true to your heart. I mean, that's necessary, but then it is also collectively true because it's a recognition of of how our conditioning, our socialization has been to conquer and power over. And that is not working anymore, hasn't worked for generations. <laughs> and so you're speaking up and I salute you. And there, you're a point of light then, Mark, without making that, you know, elaborate. You're a point of light, being true to the point of light that lit you in Viktor Frankl's book or a moment in nature or being in love, whatever it is, something penetrated the machine and got to the heart. Mm. Thank you for those words. Penetrated the machine and got to the heart. That's what it feels like, you know, that it is mechanistic till it's not, till it's humanistic. Yes. And, you know, you spoke to the person experiencing some version of awareness and light uh, visiting, yeah. for example, Papa G or listening to a yeah. podcast or me sitting in your audience. Yeah. And then yeah. we have sort of the choice as we leave. And, and we, I like that idea of sort of like reassemble kind of like a transformer, you yeah. know, we're like putting back on the mask, like, Oh, here's this, this armor, here's this. How does one, if, you know, for the person listening, who's maybe just realizing what you said, this, this truth that I don't understand, but there's an invitation and I recognize the mm. invitation and I don't know where to go, but like, how do I begin to sort of disassemble or like mm. take off these things in the face of my mom or my dad or my, you know, mm. saying like, that's great, but like, are you're, yeah. you should get a real job and you should do this yeah. and you should do that. And like, believe in this God, like this spiritual thing you've found is uh -huh. not Christianity or whatever it might be. Yeah. Well, I think the strongest advice I can give about that is to really be willing to cultivate overhearing yourself, overhearing what you are saying to yourself, because finally that's where the instructions have been programmed into the machine. And so you can recognize when you are causing unnecessary suffering and you can recognize when you're selling out to a false idea of yourself. Mm. I was speaking to a group of prisoners in a prison in Folsom prison once. And this question came up because it was a very moving 
meeting these were beautiful guys who had done horrible things in their lives, but somehow in prison, different programs had touched them. And, and a couple of them were weeping. And, and then one of them said, whoa, you know, I can't take this out into the yard. I can't, you know, be mm. open like this. It's, and he was correct. It would have been dangerous to go into the yard and just be, you know, loving everybody and loving life. And so another one of the prisoners said, man, now you know the language that's spoken in the yard. You have to speak that language there. But you never have to let go of this mm. truth, of this purity that's inside. And coming from the bowels of Folsom Prison to us who have so many choices that they don't have in day-to-day life, choices of who you associate with, how you spend your time, what your work is. I mean, we are already so free. So then overhearing yourself is where you are denying the truth of what you want in the depths of your heart. You can hear the narrative that's just been programmed. Oh, I, I guess I should get a regular job. Or, oh, I, yeah, I guess I should go party. That's what they want to do. And, and you overhear that. And then it's like, whoa, you can hear the clang of it. And in that, you, there's choice again. You know, you, you can do that. People do do that. They, they sell out. People sell out all the time. But you can recognize the tendency to do that for approval or to make somebody happy or, and just be willing to stop again. And it's taking responsibility for your own drunken narrative and getting sober from that narrative. Yeah, and I think that awareness that you're inviting of, of the narrative, the observation of the narrative, and then the choice we make when the truth is available in comparison to like, like I know before I quit drinking, it wasn't because I was waking up in the wrong places or destroying my life. And although I want to be mindful because like even destroying my life is perceived as getting wasted and making horrible decisions, but it could literally be me choosing to continue to drink when the calling says don't. And that destruction is slow. And in That's my, right. Yeah. And like my soul was saying, like, have you tried sobriety? <laughs> like, I think there's something here. And I was like, yeah, yeah. but I've got a bachelor party and then I got a wedding <laughs> and then. I, and yeah, and it's not so bad with me and I, I can handle it. Right. Yeah. And, and who knows who that. What that is, what that call is for the next person, it may be it's fine, you know, I, I know when it came for me, I, I couldn't use any substances and I had gained a lot of support from the substances. Me I used. too. Yeah. Yeah. But there was just a point where it's, it would be untrue to myself to continue in something that had served me, but to continue it when it wasn't serving me, it was just mm. changing my state. And if you, if you're really, at peace with yourself, you don't need to change your state. You may change your state because you like it and you're at peace with yourself, but that wasn't true for me. It was like, and sounds like for you, that it was really not the right thing for you. So everyone has that capacity. It sometimes needs to be developed, and, it need, and that means supported and listened to enough that it has the strength to actually be clear when something is finished or or something shouldn't get started. 
and it's it is clear then it's just it's no mind <laughs> you don't even need to to think about it it's just oh yes that's it that's over yeah i mean i Sorry, that, that, i'm not to say that there aren't things that i do that like i still have my chocolate habit <laughs> i was just <laughs> gonna I, say sugar for me it's like a gummy <laughs> yeah, candy is so. like yeah i gotta yeah, so get so more sober from gummy bears yeah today and then, because then, yeah, you have your, as with any addiction, there's a whole physiology that's supporting that. It's not just a, a, a thought, oh, I would like this. It's like, well, I have to have this. And so, the, and it, I'm not saying this as a formula because it may not be true for other people. I mean, I think, I don't know if it was Rumi or Hafiz, but one of them was drunk all the time. You know, it's fine <laughs> if that, if it is. I think Alan Watts was you. an alcoholic too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have to, it's telling the truth and you don't know what that truth is until you're open to telling the truth. Yeah. You know that as I found sobriety in different ways, I started to see that something that was previously, as you said, sort of a gateway to my totality or the experience of it um, started to pull me away from it because I had, integrated or found it and it always makes me think of a, a line i remember hearing from ramdas where he was saying that he was talking to his teacher i think maharaji was his name and he was maharaji was asking him why he did lsd all the time and he said because i get to sit with god and maharaji said well why don't you just become him and i thought that was very clever you know and thinking like what we think we get from the thing is actually always available to us and that's what you're reminding us of is like fall back which is such a different yeah. than than the like the forward motion get yeah. more create more and that's it it's it's absolute difference it's counterintuitive that way to fall back you know because of fear of death or loss or failure whatever it may be non-advancement and that's why it's so surprising i think you know it's like oh what a surprise everything is here fulfillment is here Mm, fulfillment Mm. is here that yeah i think that's such a beautiful invitation for you the listener Mm. to be able to just recognize that everything you're seeking everything you're after it is already here if you just take the Mm. moment to realize it to accept mm. it. I don't even, it's like a realization, but it's like an actual, um, what you're saying to, to die into it. Mm. Mm. Yes. That's the truth. Is there any, um, first, so thank you for your time and for your oh. heart and for the work that Mark. you do. Mark, it's beautiful being with you. Really. It's, I'm very grateful for you and for your podcast and your listeners and it's it's just natural that we connect. Yeah, my that partner who I was mourning, um, we went on that journey of separation and stayed separated in the way that we stayed whole um, or <sighs> integrated it and then came back together as two separate people. Um, and so we had, That's- we were... Yeah, you were such a profound part of that journey. I shared a lot of what I learned uh, in Hawaii um, and also from your podcast with her. And we both have had many discussions due to those words that you've shared with us. And um, it's amazing, you know, when I look back at the grief that brought me to the moment to be able to hear your words when I needed them, Mm -hmm. to 
to now be in a relationship where there is liberation, you know, and uh-huh. separation and where normal, you know, where I I'll often say, you know, like if your relationship is a prison, it's, it's not a good one, you know, where you don't feel mm-hmm. like you can leave and that's, you're not celebrated in who you are. And mm-hmm. that's not romantic for people, you know, like mm-hmm. to hear, Oh, well, I don't, you know, if my partner and I, our relationship ended, I would be very sad, but I would still be whole. Huh? We were like, yeah, but it. Disney doesn't share that shit, you know? <laughs> That's right. It's not Disney World. That's the truth. So well, that you. is such good news. I'm so happy. It's the promise fulfilled, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then, the, yes, the whole universe is in flux then. And you, we can wait and see what happens when we're actually true to ourselves. <laughs> Be surprised. Uh, that's how the world changes, you know, that... Mm. When we step out as, as you've invited us to do that stopping, you know, I was so captured by those words when I first heard them from you of like, stop searching, stop all the things Mm -hmm. and just like, get rid of your tools, get rid of all the things and just Mm -hmm. be, it's so simple. Mm. Yes. It's in that the, the capacity for that is present in anyone who is inclined toward it. Do you have any final things that you'd love to share with mm, us? I think You're... I think the final is yet to come. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, um, thank you again for your time and your heart and your mission. Oh, Mark, that you chose to leave the Sunday night footballs in the in the past, <laughs> so that you could share with us. And and I'm so grateful to be a student. Oh, Mark, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. Really, um, beautiful. Where can people find more of you? I can, I'll put, make sure I put all the links in the show notes, uh, but yeah, we're great. The best is my website, which is G A N G A J I dot O R G. That's, that's where I go. If I want to find out <laughs> what I, where I'm supposed to be, and <laughs> what's happening. I mean, there are a lot of zoom meetings that are happening. Uh, there's a, a monthly meeting and then I do have retreats that uh, small retreats and then bigger retreats that happen through Zoom. And I've been really happy that technology has really supported the the teaching and the invitation. Uh, your retreat was life-changing for me. So anyone listening, mm-hmm. if you are feeling the call and, and resonance with Gangaji's words, uh, please go go sign up and be taught or be a student mm-hmm. in any way possible. So thank you again, Gangaji. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. So beautiful. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.